I want to tell you something, and that is operating a food company has been one of the most challenging endeavors of my life. From innovating products that we want to land at the intersection of taste and nutrition, to wrestling with supply chain issues and managing inventory, I have had more sleepless nights in the past three years than I have in the last 30, including the 12 when I was a firefighter. But no one tells you that food is hard. But I also want to say it's because of each of you that we continue to get in the trenches day after day after day. It's in our core values to keep at it, knowing that we are filling a giant void in the market with products that you can't find anywhere else. And this makes it easier for us to climb out of bed each day. I want to thank you for your patience. We are anxiously awaiting the return of our organic pancake and waffle mixes. And we're excited to announce that our plant strong milks will be available online later this week, followed soon thereafter by the return of our exciting new burger mixes. Our goal is to be your reliable and trustworthy partner for all things plant strong, allowing you to stock up on healthy meals that you can make and enjoy in minutes while still managing your busy lives. I appreciate each and every one of you and want you to know that the effort will be worth it once more brands start to care about the integrity of the nutrition that they're putting into their products. Thank you so much for your support and please stay tuned for exciting updates at planstrong.com. I got this email and I want to read it to you. Uh, it says rip good evening exclamation mark. My name is Joe Inga. I am a huge fan of yours and the documentary forks over knives. I was having some major personal issues. I was, I was battling addiction with alcoholism and I kind of was in denial over the whole thing. I didn't realize that I had this issue. And I, I am actually... an FDNY firefighter assigned to Engine 72 in the Bronx. I am 5'6 and weigh over 210 pounds with extremely high cholesterol and triglyceride numbers. And I actually was home one day and I saw on Netflix, they had just put on the Forks Over Knives documentary. So I put it on and it was, I sat up in my chair when it happened. And I was like, this is unbelievable. Over the past seven years, I've adopted a whole food plant-based diet on several occasions, usually once a year for 90 days as a cleansing method. But it's very difficult to do in, in my line of work. So, um, you know, I ended up fading from that. I really would like to adopt this program regularly, but I desperately need your help as a fellow firefighter. If I was climbing a ladder, but I wasn't in the shape or I was groggy or I was tired or I wasn't in the shape that I should have been in, you know, I got two kids at home, you know. As a fellow firefighter and the only one I know who does this as well, I could use your input on handling these situations since you are familiar with them. Thanks and keep up the good work. The crazy thing is that most firefighters, they don't die fighting fires. They die of heart disease. It's also the number one cause of death for Americans. So if you're eating the standard American diet, it's coming after you too. I'm Rip Esselstyn, the founder of Engine 2. 
And I want to help Joe. I want to give him the support and the information and the motivation that he needs to make the decisions that are going to save his life. And I want to give them to you too. So welcome to Plant Strong. What was it about forks over knives that that hit you that made you sit up in the chair as you said any just the science behind it Uh It, you know like it just it all made sense and you know i I had heard briefly about it and everybody's always you should eat your fruit vegetables or whatever i come from an italian background so we love our pasta we love our sausage our meatballs and stuff like that but uh it was kind of the science behind it but then, you know, when most things you hear about it and you're like, yeah, but there's another study that says this. And there's another study that says this. Well, I started buying the China study book and I started buying these other books and the Engine 2 book and I started reading them and it started cross-referencing online to see if it was if it was legit. And I was like, ah, you know what? It seems okay. L- let me try it. And that first time I did it, the results I got were unbelievable. I, I couldn't, it's just, yeah. it blew my mind. Yeah. No doubt about it. There is something super special about the amount of research and data that unequivocally backs a plant-based diet. And when it comes to heart disease and the prevention and reversal of heart disease, the the bulk of that was done by my father, Dr. Cobble B. Esselstyn Jr. You know, he he literally wrote the book on the prevention and reversal of heart disease. It's called Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease after trudging upstream for decades to show that this is a food created disease disease it is born of our own uh, making and what we're putting into our mouth for breakfast lunch and dinner day after day week after week month after month and year after year and then all of a sudden at 42 you have angina you have your first small heart attack or in many cases the first sign of heart disease which is sudden death 50 percent of the time which is absolutely tragic because it doesn't need to be that way so here's my dad it was in the late 1970s when at the cleveland clinic i was a chairman of the breast cancer task force and uh, head of the section on thyroid and parathyroid surgery uh, i've got increasingly disillusioned with the fact that for no matter how many women I was doing breast surgery, I was doing absolutely nothing for the next unsuspecting victim. And that led me to to do a bit of a global review. And in this global review, it was apparent that there were cultures where breast cancer rates were 30 and 40 times less frequent than the United States, for instance, like Kenya. And if you looked at rural Japan in the 1950s, breast cancer was very infrequently identified, yet as soon as the Japanese women would migrate to the United States, but the second and third generation, still pure Japanese-American, they now began to experience the same rate of breast cancer as their Caucasian counterpart. And perhaps uh, even more compelling might be the, the information from Japan. In 1958, how many autopsy-proven deaths were there? from cancer of the prostate in the entire nation of Japan. No idea. 18, the most mind-boggling public health figure I think I've ever heard. 20 years later, 1978, they were up to 137, which still pales in comparison 
to the 28,000 who will die from prostate cancer in this country this year. But somewhere along that time frame, I began to feel that there would be much more bang for the buck if we could look at the leading killer of women and men in Western civilization, which was coronary artery disease, cardiovascular disease, because in this global review, it was apparent that there were multiple cultures where cardiovascular disease was virtually non-existent. And the common denominator became, uh, for those uh, individuals, the fact that they were eating whole food, plant-based nutrition, essentially without oil. So the dream, I guess, began to cultivate at that time that if we could somehow get people to eat, to save their heart, right. they would at the same time be protecting themselves from the common Western cancers of breast, prostate, colon, and perhaps pancreatic. What was the aha moment? Why 1984? Why, why was that the year? Why not 1979? Well, listen, I remember uh, I grew up on an Aberdeen Angus and a dairy farm. Yep. And I was a cholesterolholic. <laughs> and uh, although I knew I was going to do this study, I kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. When uh, in 1984, in April, uh, Mummy and I were at uh, a surgical conference in New Haven, Connecticut. And the papers were so boring. The weather was rotten. But always at the end of these uh, meetings, they have a banquet. Mm. And at the banquet, this waitress put a plate in front of me. The roast beef was so enormous, it was draped over the sides. So I just looked at that and shook my head, and Anne said, uh, you're not going to eat your roast beef? I said, no. <laughs> and and uh, Anne's mother at age 52, had died of mm. breast cancer. And two weeks after that meeting in New Haven, Anne's sister came down with breast cancer. And that's when she looked at me and said, I'm with you. Mm. So it was in April of 1984 that we decided ourselves that we had to do this for at least uh, 10 months or a year before I could then go to cardiology and ask for these patients to start the research project, mm -hmm. which I've been dreaming of starting. So you started pushing this boulder up, <laughs> up the hill back in 1984, and I can't imagine that along the way it didn't feel extremely lonely. You must have felt like you were the only person that was doing this. I, I, I know that you got ridiculed, made fun of, uh, people called you names. I remember you getting in the mail, you know, wood chips, uh, people saying, you know, what are we going to go eat? You know, twigs and berries. Just, you know, the comments are endless right. and nonstop. So what, uh, what allowed you to persevere? Well, uh, I think it was very apparent uh, that I, what I mentioned earlier, when within 15 months of starting this, yeah. without any of those statin drugs or anything else, we suddenly had rock-solid, irrefutable science that the pain would go away in their leg. They'd disappear. We could absolutely now reverse heart disease. I was not going to let that go. Right. So that you were, was, so, so after you had that, that, yeah. that was kind of uh, oh, the, the nugget and the that goal was, that allowed you. Then we saw um, the reversal of the disease. So you were convinced now, okay, I'm on the right path. Yeah. And I can just, I mean, this is it. And I, I'm, let me show it again and again and again and again. Right. You know, grandpa, your father was, was such a, a, an amazing towering figure, um, kind of in some ways larger than life. And I remember you telling the story about how you're growing up on the farm, 
Right, he was just a he was a beast of a man and could carry. Oh, yeah. What was it? 80, 80, 80 pound bags in each cement. hand. Yeah, cement. Eighty pound bags of cement in each hand. And you, you tell a story about how he went to the carnival <laughs> and, took, and took. Can you tell that story? Because I think that that's kind of in some in some way. I think that that, that helped shape your your tenacity, your sense of purpose, mm. your sense of truth and honor. Well, Dad was uh, at a. Uh, they used to have the, uh, the freshman football team from Yale come up to the farm to, to train with them. And uh, one, one of the things they did for recreation, they, they would go to the, the carnival, the local carnival, usually the end of the summer. And the carnival always had a strong man who would ask anybody from the audience to yeah. step up and, and, uh, and challenge them. And so Dad stepped up, got into the ring with him, and... Before I knew it, the guy had him in a stranglehold, and he uh, he had to tap out. But uh, and that was in front of you know these other guys on the team. And, uh, and but he didn't, he but didn't. dad but dad uh, didn't let it go there. He found out where the colonel was going to go next, and he uh, left Yale and drove up to where the carnival was <laughs> going next, and. No other, no other members of the team there, but uh, when the guy called out in the audience, Dad once again stepped up, got in the ring, and absolutely flattened the guy, grabbed him by the arms and just wrenched him right down to the canvas. <laughs> and uh, it made him scream uncle. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really, uh, uh, he just didn't like the idea that uh, he was... Uh, yeah. be taken down by this guy <laughs> yeah yeah I, I love that story mm-hmm. love it. so let's jump into your health all right okay so you how old are you i am 34 34 in your email you were five six i believe you said you're 210 pounds yes which makes you overweight no no doubt about very it. very overweight yeah yeah and how any medications for that? I mean, you said no. you you had high cholesterol. I refuse like to take statins. I've been issued statins in the past. I refuse to take them. Um, I kind of, you know, try and alter my diet a little bit more rather than take the statins because there's, you know, side effects that I don't want to deal with mm-hmm. that when I have been on them, I haven't felt right. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of don't take them. Every year when I go for my medical, they do an, a medical evaluation and they give you that, uh, I can't remember what the number is called, the one through six number or one through seven number that calculates your risk. So every year I get flagged for triglycerides, cholesterol, and that number. And then they say, we might take you offline. And then I do it again for 60 to 90 days, always with the intention to continue, but end up end up going back because it's it's very difficult adjustment to make you know it it really is a lifestyle change and i've done that probably five or six times and uh you know just this this recent time i was i'm kind of trying to take care of myself a little bit better and uh i just uh, just one day just on thursday i was like you know what let me let me watch forks over knives let me watch engine Two rescue again um i think plant nation was the other one so i binged for a day and the next day was the day i sent you the email that was the day i started it so I looked for 24 patients, but these were patients who were, as my late brother-in-law used to say, these are Essie's walking dead. Yeah. They had failed their first or second bypass. They had failed their first or second angioplasty. They were too sick for these procedures 
or they had refused. There were five who were told by their expert cardiologists they wouldn't live out the year. But I'm happy to say that uh, those five made it beyond 20 yeah. years. I mean, half the planet Earth doesn't even have a coronary artery disease, all right? And the idea was to try to mimic the type of nutrition that we were essentially seeing uh, in these nations where disease was uh, mm-hmm. really virtually non-existent. Then we wrote them up and reported this at 12 years. And that really, uh, that study made it about the longest that I know of of its type. So it was, it was very exciting to see the long-term effect and benefits that whole food plant-based nutrition could endow these patients who were so seriously ill with 12, year, 12 years of, of follow-up. I don't see how you're ever going to make a lifestyle change in a 10 or 15-minute office visit. But when you give a patient your time, you're showing them respect. And also when you give them time, they have an opportunity to begin to get their arms mm. around the science in a vocabulary that they can grasp and appreciate the importance of the, the basic science of how this disease was initiated, developed, and also how they can be empowered mm-hmm. as the locus of control to halt and reverse their disease. What kind of feedback are you getting from the guys at the firehouse? Not very good ones. It's, uh, you know, like you said, we're very big. Uh, we're t- big, tough guys. We're big, tough firemen. We eat meat, you know, and um, it's, it's not an easy thing to do in the firehouse. It's it's kind of in, in the firehouse, especially in New York City, the kitchen and, and, and cooking is probably the biggest part of firehouse culture. Yeah. And, you know, if you're not eating what the guys are eating, it's just kind of, you know, it just has a negative connotation to it among the guys. And, you know, um, trying to adapt that. And then, you know, if they make something and I have to bring in my own or modify it, it becomes a little, a little, a little ten- stressful, a little, a little tense. Yeah. When you think about the people who were critics, I mean, that's, that's wonderful because imagine if nobody was criticizing you at all. I mean, it would just be uh, so dull. So in some ways you embraced the criticism. Oh, absolutely. It was, right. it was, it was it. so exciting because yeah. the people who were criticizing, had, you knew that they had never ex- experienced this with their patients at all. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, how would anybody who was a physician who had to change their way a patient ate, have their disease go away, why would they be resistant to it? So you have a, a program when it comes to preventing and reversing heart disease. It's a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based eating regime. What would you say to individuals that say this program is it's too austere, it's too hard, it's impossible to do? What would you say to them? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> because when you think about the diet that is the most uh, severe, strict, extreme, austere, draconian, is the one that 97% of Americans are eating every day that guarantees that before they die they'll have some horrible chronic illness. Uh, But also, think about it this way. The diet that we're asking patients to to follow, which is all these marvelous whole grains uh, for your cereal bread, pasta rolls, and bagels, 101 different types of legumes and beans, lentils, all these marvelous red, yellow, and green leafy vegetables, some sweet potatoes, white potatoes, and also fruit. This is a kind of the, the type of, of uh, food 
that is eaten by half the planet Earth that never has cardiovascular disease. For instance, if you were to hang out your shingle in Okinawa, rural China, Central Africa, the Tarahumara Indians in northern Mexico, or the Papua Highlanders, you're not going to do any cardiovascular surgery. Why? They don't have cardiovascular disease. Why? Because they're all thriving on whole food, plant-based nutrition, without, essentially without oil. So when people say that it's austere or some doctors say, I can't get my patients to do this, it's really this. It's not that the message is wrong. It's how the message is articulated. Mm. If you think you're going to have somebody listen in 10 or 15 minutes and make this kind of a significant lifestyle change, it's not going to happen. So one of the things that I've always been impressed with, with uh, your, your thinking and the way you, you counsel your patients is, is that you're, you're always coming up with new things. So, for example, if I remember correctly, when you started this in 1984, you also allowed a little bit of no-fat dairy products on the program. Yeah. And, then, and then at some point you decided, okay, we, we're not doing that anymore, <clears throat> right? Right. And, um, and then uh, you, at some point, I think in the 90s or early 2000s, you decided, okay, we really got to hammer the green leafies. Because that, that wasn't initially part of the program, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Right. right. So you added the green leafies. Then you start yeah. taking away um, the pot, some of the, the bread products. So can you just kind of talk about um, how you're the always... Evolution? Yeah, the evolution. You're always searching for, for uh, the newest, the latest, the greatest, but it's got to be grounded in some sort of science. Yeah, the, the dairy business was increasingly uh, clear after I had a chance to talk with my good friend uh, Colin Campbell. Mm. And that's when he made me aware of how uh, powerful casein, which is the leading uh, protein in dairy, was problematic. And uh, there was a further uh, study out of Harvard that showed clearly that uh, casein was a great contributor to the accelerating cardiovascular disease. Uh, so that was sort of the background in the, in the dairy. And there were multiple papers that were coming out along that time that showing that dairy could be rather mischievous, so we say. Uh, now, as far as the, uh, the green leafy vegetables, that's something just within the last six and a half, seven years, for a couple of reasons. When we first see these patients and they're having a lot of chest pain or angina, I want them to try to imagine that they could somehow have their head get inside one of their coronary arteries. And if they were able to look at the plaque, they would see an absolute cauldron of oxidative inflammation. Right? So we need antioxidants. No, don't go down to the health food store and buy a jug of pills that says antioxidant because it doesn't work and it's going to be harmful. Therefore, I want them to get their antioxidants from food. Fair enough. What food? Food that is high in what we call ORAC value, O-R-A-C, oxygen radical absorptive capacity. So this means that if somebody is having raspberries, blueberries, strawberries, and blackberries on their morning oat cereal, that's a terrific start. However, nothing, nothing can trump the antioxidant value of green leafy vegetables. So I now ask them to chew, not smoothies, not juicing. I ask them to chew a green leafy vegetable six times a day and roughly the size of their fist after it has first been boiled in water 
five and a half to six minutes or steamed so it's nice and tender. Then I asked them to anoint it with several drops of a delightful balsamic vinegar. Why? Because the acetic acid in the vinegar has been shown to restore the nitric oxide synthase enzyme contained within the endothelial cell that is responsible for making nitric oxide, which is what we want. And therefore, they're going to chew this alongside their breakfast cereal, again as a mid-morning snack, again with their lunch and sandwich. That's three. Mid-afternoon, four. Dinner time, five. And of course, God, I adore it when they have that evening snack mm -hmm. of kale. Six. So why, why are you such a fan of chewing? Your green leafies as opposed to right. the biggest fad, probably one of the biggest fads going right now, which is to drink well, the, green smoothies. Yeah, the, the, I should back up a little bit and say that the whole reason we do that is because what we're totally after here is restoration of nitric oxide. Because all experts in this field would, will agree that where this disease has its inception, its onset, its beginning, is when we progressively injure the life jacket and the guardian of our blood vessel, which happens to be that delicate innermost lining, the endothelium. And what makes the endothelium so remarkable is this magic molecule of gas that it produces, nitric oxide, which is responsible for the salvation and protection of all of our vasculature, for example, because of this wonderful functions. What are the functions? They are. Nitric oxide will keep all those cellular elements within our bloodstream flowing smoothly like Teflon rather than Velcro. Number two, Nitric oxide is the strongest blood vessel dilator in the body. When you climb stairs, the arteries to your heart, the arteries to your legs, they widen, they dilate, nitric oxide. Number three, nitric oxide will protect the wall of the artery from becoming thick and stiff or inflamed, protect us from getting high blood pressure or hypertension. Number four, number four is the absolute key. A safe and normal amount of nitric oxide will protect us all from ever developing blockages or plaque. So literally everybody on the planet who has cardiovascular disease, whether they're from London, Berlin, Chicago, New York, or Cleveland, or Seattle, if they have cardiovascular diseases, because by now, in the preceding decades, they have so severely trashed, injured, compromised, and turned their endothelial system into a train wreck, mm -hmm. they don't have enough nitric oxide left to protect themselves. But the good news here is this. This is not a malignancy. This is a completely benign foodborne illness. And therefore, once you can get patients to understand this and have them never again pass anything through their lips that is going to further take an already train-wrecked endothelial system and make it worse, then what happens is this is not a malignancy. The endothelial cells recover. Make enough nitric oxide so you can halt disease progression and often see significant elements of disease reversal. So coming back to the, the greens and the chewing, the other reason for the chewing is that when they are in your mouth, you are chewing that green. It is a nitrate. That nitrate is going to be mixing as you chew with the facultative anaerobic bacteria that reside in the crypts and grooves of your tongue. So that as you're chewing, those bacteria will reduce that nitrate in your mouth to a nitrite. Now when you swallow the nitrite, it is further reduced by your gastric acid to more nitric oxide. So here you have the greens, both through the endothelial cell and through your gastrointestinal tract, 
restoring what we really need, which is nitric oxide. And at the same time, the greens will enhance the capacity of your bone marrow to make more endothelial progenitor cells, which are the ones that replace our senescent, injured, worn out endothelial cells. It's kind of magical how that happens. Yeah, but it's the science. Yeah, yeah. What are some other benefits that happen when you eat this way to save your heart? So, for example... Oh, yeah, well, your diabetes goes away. Your hypertension goes away. Your risk for stroke goes away. Your risk for vascular dementia goes away. Uh, there are also ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, multiple sclerosis, allergies, asthma. We have never had in medicine a weapon in our toolbox okay. that is so powerful. There's no ridiculous expense. There's no ridiculous side effects. You're simply treating the organism the way it was supposed to be nourished. Mm -hmm. I should mention also that obesity right. goes away because obesity is such a rascal. All that inflammation, the increased risk of diabetes and heart disease and cancer. I want to ask you this because it's the number one question that everybody in this, uh, that when you're following a whole food plant-based diet gets asked, where in the world are you going to get your protein <laughs> right? e e eating this way? And well, if, you, if you're eating whole food plant-based nutrition, it's impossible to really be protein deficient. There is protein in grain. There is protein in beans and legumes. There's protein in vegetables. There's protein in potatoes. And there are also now a number of professional athletes who increasingly recognize that when you're eating whole food plant-based nutrition, you have not only greater stamina, but your recovery time is reduced. You know, one of the reasons why I went on this was there was a recent incident in October that really kind of woke my eyes up to a lot of a lot of things. Uh, one of my best friends, Tom Corcoran, he's a firefighter in our firehouse. Him and I, we were working in a different firehouse together and um, he had the roof position in the ladder truck. And uh, we got called to a fire on, on the top floor of the uh, of the building. And he went up the ladder and he fell off of the roof 35 feet and uh, broke his back. And this happened while I was in the engine and kind of saw him. I didn't see him directly fall, but I heard it. I could still hear the ring of the, the cylinder, you know, in my head constantly. And I look around the corner and there he is laying there. Um, and uh, I, I dealt with a lot after that. I, I've been on the fire department around it a long time. You know, my whole life between my dad and on this fire department, you hear of, of line of duty funerals, you hear of these accidents, you hear of these injuries, and but that's always going on someplace else. You're never directly affected by it. When this happened, I was so in shock. I was like, this has never happened before. Like, it just blew my mind that in a split second that something like this could happen. And it was a complete... A freak accident it wasn't you know a heart attack or health related but it was just it was a quick realization of things can go south very quick and i was a direct eyewitness to it and you know from that point after i was dealing with that and some other things i kind of made it a point to i'm i'm gonna take better care of myself because i've always kind of felt safe and i've always kind of felt mm -hmm. i'm okay you know maybe we're not the busiest company in the city mm -hmm. you know so I may be big, I may have high cholesterol, but I'm, I'm not getting myself into these situations. Then I'm all of a sudden faced with the situation. I'm going, I'm not prepared for this. 
So I'm gonna, you know, try and make my best effort to start trying to hit the gym or change my diet or try and be the best that I can be because the thought runs through my head that, you know, if something were to happen, if, if I was climbing a ladder, but I wasn't in the shape or I was groggy or I was tired or I wasn't in the shape that I should have been in, yeah, you know, I got two kids at home, you know, and that kind of got the ball rolling on a lot of this. Yeah. Like my father said, people need focus. They need help to change their lifestyle. Joe needs that help. Join us every episode as we talk to members of the plant-based movement that can help Joe and you to stay the course, to maintain a lifestyle that will keep you plant strong. And how much, what's happened to you in the 12, was it 12 days you said? Uh, it's almost three weeks. Three three weeks. What's happened to you in the three I've weeks? I've lost about 16 pounds. Uh, my energy levels have been way up. Um, usually I get, I'm like always drained. I'm always groggy. And I've been working a lot the last couple of weeks. Um, I've only had one day off in the last two weeks. So I've been working a lot, but I've been not needing naps, not feeling groggy, not needing the coffee. Um, so my energy level is up. When I put on my equipment, everything feels lighter. Uh -huh. I'm walking more upright. My back pain and my knee pain is starting to go away. I just, it's like unbelievable. And I started seeing those results within the first week. If you're enjoying the guests on my podcast, come spend the weekend interacting with all of us. Dance with my sister, Jane. Hike with my mother, Anne. Share a meal with my father, Essie. And spend time with all of our dynamic speakers, Drs. Dean and Aisha Shurzai, the authors of The Alzheimer's Solution. Paul DeGelder, the host of Shark Week. Dr. Jim Loomis from the Game Changers documentary. Dr. Cyrus Kambada and Robbie Barbero of Mastering Diabetes. Dr. Sarai Stanzik, as featured in the documentary, Code Blue, and my buddy, John Mackey, the CEO of Whole Foods Market, and many, many, many more. Pick and choose from a robust variety of talks. Enjoy plentiful, plant-strong buffets, take in the mountain air, and start the day with an invigorating morning dance party. Come celebrate what it means to live plant-strong. I'm Rip Esselstyn, and I want to thank you for listening. My hope is that this podcast has inspired you to take control of your health through a plan strong lifestyle. I also want to thank my co-creator of the podcast, Scott Battisill with 10% Media, Lori Kordowich, my producer extraordinaire and Engine 2 director of events, Tina Knoll and Large Media for podcast production and creative direction, and Brandon Curtis for never minding living in the barrel and everything in between. Thanks for Whole Foods Market for giving me a platform for the last decade. Special thanks to Joe Inga for your courage to take control and change your life and for allowing us to share your story along the way. And lastly, I wanna thank my father and mother, Dr. Cobble B. Esselstyn Jr. and Ann Kryle Esselstyn and all the Plant Strong pioneers who have been pushing this boulder uphill for more than three decades. As they say, we're standing on the shoulder of giants. 
If you're digging the podcast, I want you to rate us. I want you to review the show, and I want you to spread this message with friends and family. Um, We want to get this message out to as many people as possible. Join us on all of our social channels, either on Engine 2 or Rip Esselstyn, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or, or Twitter. Until next time, peace, Engine 2, and keep it plant strong.